Hi, my name is Serjan Vucetic. This is Contemporary Security Studies. For those of you who are new to Radio Serjan, uh, welcome. This is uh, my primary podcast I use to record lectures here at the University of Ottawa. So um, today we're going to be talking about uh, the study of security uh, and the concept of security. And we should start with the first. Um, mentioned that it was a powerfully, uh, there was, was a program powerfully influenced by realist thinking. Those of you who studied IR will know what realism is, but specifically structural realist thinking. And so much of the scholarship on international security for many years and decades was preoccupied with what my colleague Michael C. Williams uh, calls the four S's, states, strategy, science, and the status quo. So states, as the key agents and reference of security, no surprise there. Um, uh, Strategy, this was the core intellectual and practical concern. Uh, how do we devise the best means of employing the threat uh, and uh, use of military force? And uh, in terms of science, thinking about security sought to be scientific as it implied positivist methods in search of objective knowledge. So what is objective knowledge? Well, it's one of the theories of reality that we use. Uh, it is the reality that exists independent of our perceptions of it. So, for example, everything around you, including your own body, is objective reality. And if you were not perceiving it, it would still be there. So this means that we could um, use objective uh, scientific uh, techniques, as Stephen Walt in '99 called it, uh, cumulative knowledge about the role of military force uh, that follows standard canons of scientific research, uh, careful and consistent use of terms, unbiased measurements of critical concepts, public documentation of theoretical and empirical claims, all of those good things that we associate with positivist methods. Uh, positivism, you will be uh, reminded, is, uh, uh, is one epistemology uh, that, that, that's on offer in social sciences. And when we're talking about obje- objective reality, that is the sort of uh, ontology, so sort of a theory of, of, of being or what exists in the world. Um, so from this perspective, the evolution, oh, I should also mention status quo. Well, according to this traditional approach, conservative focus meant that little or no attention was paid uh, to the possibility of radical transformation in the international system. So from this perspective, the evolution of security studies is synonymous with the growth of scientific knowledge, uh, in, involving uh, a quest for timeless causal laws or law-like regularities that govern patterns of human behavior. Um, and this is um, grounded in an understanding of human subjects as instrumentally rational actors dealing with an external reality that is that objectively exists, as I said. Um, so the, the, the conception of the state was similarly seen as instrumentally rational pursuit of self-interest, uh, and which basically lies at the, at the heart of structural realist analysis of uh, international security. So this is, this is the circa 1991 view. Uh, Of course, it wasn't the only view that was available at the time. Um, Those of you who have studied security before will understand that there is such a a thing uh, as as critical security studies. Um, So there has been always um, an approach uh, that questioned all these four S's, state, strategy, science, and the status quo, uh, uh, and basically call them untenable. Um, uh, the belief that the state acts as a container of security, ensuring the security of uh, the people within its borders, 
uh, has always been questioned. Um, Ken Booth, uh, writing on security and emancipation in 1991, the same time as Stephen Walt, would, would say, well, uh, security means the absence of threats, uh, but emancipation is freeing of people as either individuals or groups, from those physical human constraints which stop them um, carrying out what they would freely choose to do. War and the threat of war is one of those constraints, he said, together with poverty, poor education, uh, political oppression, and so on. Security and emancipation, therefore, are two sides of the same coin. Emancipation, not power or order, produces true security. Emancipation, therefore, uh, is security, theoretically speaking. So, so he argued that, that, that from people, if you, if you start from people as, as the referent object of security, we get a very different perspective uh, about what, what is both security and what security studies uh, should, uh, should be about. The argument has connections with a radically different view of politics than that of, of realism. And this, is, uh, this concerns with eman emancipatory politics, freeing humans from the constraints that are put upon them. Uh, and this has been uh, a, the, the main concern of all branches of radical political theory from, I don't know, Afro-political, Afro-modern political thought, starting with at least W.E.B. Du Bois uh, all the way to uh, the various modern theorists, including those that later became associated with uh, critical security studies, or CSS. And uh, this this perspective, you could argue, yes, uh, it had all sorts of uh, uh, all sorts of uh, prehistories. But one of the main threads begins in Toronto, in Canada, with people like Keith Krause and Michael C. Williams, uh, also with various Neo Gramscians such as uh, Robert Cox, Canada's greatest IR theorist of all time, arguably, who all uh, question this, uh, you know, perspective. Uh, or preoccupation of international uh, scholarship or international relations scholarship, including the international security preoccupation, whether for SS state strategy, science, and the status quo. They questioned it. Um, and they said, you know, essentially, uh, by appending of the term critical to security studies, what we're doing is uh, orienting ourselves differently. Uh, towards security than, than realism or traditional approaches. There's practically a broad definition allowed many perspectives that have been considered outside of the mainstream of the discipline to be brought into the same forum. And so um, it was never a, a meant to be a coherent set of views, rather an approach to security. It indicated a desire. This initial desire was to study security slash strategy differently than that which predominated during the Cold War. Um, and, uh, and in recent years, uh, Critical Security Studies Project has come to identify schol uh, scholars who study securitization, emancipatory potentials, discourses of threat endangered, gendered in sex bodies, visual emotional meditations, uh, racialization and terror, uh, logics, techniques, migrations and borders and whatnot. Uh, and so this, this university here, University of Ottawa, much like York University in Toronto, are well known for their uh, strengths in critical security studies, and this is partly reflected in this syllabus. Um, 
and I, I'm some of you, perhaps most of you in this class, know know uh, what this is about. But I guess one way to think about it is again in terms of ontology and epistemology. So to go back to the ontologies uh, or theories of reality, unlike or whereas realism talk about objective reality, um, critical security studies folks are are more likely to talk about intersubjective reality. So let's let, let, let's review that. Um, objective reality is the meaning you give to what you perceive, your perception, uh, 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 you know, uh, of, of the world outside your, your mind and your body is always the same. It's always going to be there, there no, matter, uh, uh, no matter what you, what you perceive or not perceive. Um, this is not how it works. Of course, you could say, well, there's such a thing as subjective reality. How we perceive ourselves, how we perceive our body, for example, is either underweight or overweight. Uh, well, these are two obviously very important realities, but critical security studies most generally assumes that the reality that matters the most in the social and political world is intersubjective reality. That is the reality that you and I and perhaps a million people more agree on what uh, on on as existing. So, for example, your perception of your body as either underweight or overweight is not subjective at all. Uh, as what counts as overweight or underweight is a social construction, a norm created by society, advertisers, gyms, fashion magazines, medical associations, and insurance companies. Other examples would be how men wear pants uh, rather than a skirt because of an intersubjective reality of masculinity, or how a piece of furniture beca becomes um, a chair rather than uh, I don't know, a weapon or a piece of art or an ironing board because of an agreed uh, collective meaning or how uh, a country is deemed democratic rather than authoritarian or another state becomes a threatening foe rather than a friendly ally. Uh, and, and you get the idea where this is going. So all reality from this perspective, including objective reality, must be interpreted to be meaningful. And unlike those who believe in the subjective world, critical security studies folks would, would argue that these interpretations and meanings uh, that we come up with to make sense of the objective world are themselves social products. So it's not just that reality is socially constructed, but also knowledge is socially constructed. And they come from one society, workplace, school, families, whatever. Uh, and, and this means that the objects of, of the critical security studies' theoretical attention are the uh, are, are, you know, they include everything, social identities that are constructed in society. Um, and, and, and any account of security would therefore focus on these intersubjective realities that dominate in any given, uh, in any given society at any given time. So the key challenge posed by critical security studies to dominant realist thinking involved uh, primarily a process of framing security and its study as a political phenomenon. So you know the word framing, basically in the 2000s it entered everyday English language. Uh, you know, how do, how, we, how do we present uh, reality as either problematic or not problematic matters most of all. Uh, it's the most political the, the, the decision of them all. I mean, this, this statement goes back to Aristotle, I mean, to, to be uh, Eurocentric for a moment. Uh, so security was conceptualized as more than a natural response to a self-evident truth, and security studies as more than a formulation of expert knowledge to ad address threats that exist out there in the world and involve states, and specifically military aspects of those states. So critical security studies set out to go beyond 
previous moves to broaden and deepen the security agenda by re-examining concepts and methodologies uh, that, that used to be taken for granted by security scholars. Importantly, security scholars, uh, critical security scholars, engage in an analysis of the politics behind the construction of knowledge about security. So ideas um, about security that came to be seen as political insofar as they were the product of interpretation, contestation, and struggle among various actors. So this is what I was talking about earlier with the, with the idea of, of knowledge being constructed just as, as reality is constructed. Uh, and so, so you had an, an attack on all of those four S's. So instead of looking at just states, you were looking at more than just states. You, know, you were looking at societies and individuals. Instead of looking at strategy, you were looking to see how this language of strategy became uh, predominant and why and in what parts of the world and who benefited from all that. You know, science became uh, itself uh, up for grabs. You know, what does it mean to, to study an intersubjective world using positivist methods? Can this be do done? And if so, why is it so very few people are doing it? Instead, uh, you, were, you were adopting interpretivist social science methods to study intersubjective reality, which actually align, aligns ontology with epistemology much better. And, and this idea of status quo came under attack because, um, uh, yeah, examining the ways in which particular conceptions of security uh, was understood to be inseparable from broader ideas about how politics works or should work. Um, so there, you know, you, you became uh, interested in everything, whereas, you know, in the 1980s, if you're a realist, you were interested in rather specific thing. So the readings for today reflect uh, these two schools of thought, one kind of more traditional, one more critical and these are just labels we use as as convenient shorthands this i would never say that folks who are realists are somehow uncritical uh or or you know uh you know for folks who are interested in um uh, critical security studies are somehow somehow giving giving up on on the study of uh, uh of of security in ways that is uh, not careful, not using consistent uh, terms in a consistent fashion, uh, not providing public documentation of theoretical empirical claims. I mean, if that's your definition of science, then most critical security studies folks are, are fairly, uh, fairly uh, scientific themselves. Um, so, yes, I would also say that uh, since I was a student of security and an undergraduate at at the University of Toronto in the 1990s, this, the field has undergone a major shift. Um, uh, and this was a realism of structural realism's uh, heyday. Uh, realism has morphed into a complex school of thought that is rediscovering its classical roots as it grapples with decades of accumulating critiques, uh, whereas advances in the social scientific implications of research in other fields are altering the foundations of the core assumptions in the study of international uh, security, most notably strict rationality assumptions, no longer play uh, the role in social sciences in general. Um, so the two readings for today uh, introduce you to uh, some of the tensions uh, that exist uh, in these two schools uh, or pr perspectives on, um, on security. Uh, the one by Krause and Williams, I mean, they are basically... Uh, to use gender language, the fathers of critical security studies. And they tell you the story 
of critical, uh, uh, critical uh, security studies, but not just critical security studies, or security studies uh, in period. So they, they start from you know the Cold War period uh, to to what is happening uh, today. In fact, they, they've got these subsection uh, titles such as movement, descent, rupture, and so on. Uh, and I thought they do this very uh, effectively. And in the very end, they talk about the uh, f future securities as well as future insecurity uh, studies. Um, now, uh, what I what else I would add here is uh, is that uh, security studies themselves. Um, or rather critical security studies themselves uh, are a target of criticism uh, because they have not always engaged its own politics. This is where, where the second reading for today, Pinar Bilgin's uh, short undergraduate level chapter on security comes in. And, and she and many others would say that um, despite avowed commitments to critique concepts and practices that sustain I don't know, militarized, petrochemical, addicted, zero-sum security relations. Critical security scholars themselves also imagine the possibility uh, that criticality, criticality can also affect domination exploitation, and specifically the kind of domination exploitation that, that involves North-South relations, not North-South geographically, but in, in, the, in, the, in the sense of global North and global South. Um, and uh, critical security studies needs to be more thoughtful uh, about how it might be complicit amongst settler colonial imperial ordering of global relations. Um, so, um, you know, this is a question of decolonization. Uh, in her piece, she talks a lot about um, Eurocentrism, and she provides a very good definition of Eurocentrism, uh, understood as the limitations engendered by theorizing from a particular narrative on European experiences to study the rest of the world. Um, so this is page 184 in, in, in the Bilgin reading, um, which, which, which definitely applies uh, to both uh, how we study security traditionally and how we study security critically. And she provides this wonderful discussion of uh, nuclear weapons and deterrence and so on, uh, building on the work by uh, this Indian-American scholar, Iti Ibrahim, who's a professor at National University of Singapore, and his research on India's uh, ideas about deterrence and nuclear weapons. And I advise you to read it uh, really uh, carefully, because it, it, it does point uh, to one of the ongoing or consistently strong blind spots uh, in uh, even in the critical project. Um, so. Uh, when we think about the bomb, the atomic bomb, uh, this, this example actually demonstrates a lot of things. So we can start with this earlier discussion about ontology and epistemology. Uh, when Hiroshima and Nagasaki happened, uh, there were, in fact, uh, two communities uh, that emerged uh, that interpreted this event, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So. Um, instead of objective reality speaking for itself, we had at least two intersubjective communities interpreting the events. The first thought they had just witnessed a more efficient way of fighting a conventional war. The second believed that they had just witnessed the end of conventional war, that atomic weapons could only be used for mutual deterrence. Uh, and, and of course, she, uh, Wilgen, uh, ends up talking a lot about nuclear deterrence. 
um, and and why uh, why one way to understand it uh, is um, uh, is through this concept of security dilemma, which is associated with uh, uh, with uh, John Hertz. Um, and uh, and yeah, the security dilemma as a concept. I, I if you haven't seen it before, um, I advise you to to read it carefully because it is. Uh, uh, one of the central concepts uh, in traditional security studies. Um, uh, if, for example, if you two or more states in the international system might want uh, might not want to conflict with each other, let's say India and China over over their disputed boundaries, neither neither one has an interest in in fighting the other. But the nature of the system can force them to assume the worst, creating a security dilemma. Uh, so latent power, such as economic or technological gains uh, in one state that can be transferred uh, into military capabilities, can cause a state to increase its defensive um, uh, capacity. So if, if China is building mountain roads uh, in, in parts of the Himalayas that are also claimed by India or vice versa, uh, that alone, uh, this defensive, defensive action can be perceived as threatening uh, by the other. So John Hertz writes, since, quote, since no, none can ever feel entirely secure in such a world of competing units, power competition ensues and the vicious circle of security and power accumulation uh, is on. And this idea of vicious circle uh, is, is precisely captured by the concept of security dilemma. And of course, you have a whole bunch of reels writing about this, you know, from Herbert Butterf Butterf Butterfield to Robert Jervis and Stephen Van Evera, and they've developed all kinds of re uh, refinements uh, to security dilemma. And then there are realists such as Randy Schreller who say, what security dilemma? There's no such thing uh, from, a, from a realist perspective attacking uh, this concept and, 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 and showing how it's, um, uh, how it's found uh, wanting. What what uh, Pinar Bilgin does in her chapter is to to attack it from a different perspective, uh, and uh, and you know one is philosophical. She talks about the other minds problem, which is very interesting for philosophers among you. Um, and and she talked uh, talked about uh, uh, this this uh, intervention by Ken Booth and Nick Wheeler into the security dilemma literature, in which they're saying that uh, it, it's actually a sensibility. Uh, as soon as we talk about uh, a dilemma, we know that um, the, there is there is much to be said about choices that are involved, as opposed to. Uh, some kind of, of vicious uh, cycle imposed or dictated by the international uh, system. Um, so understanding uh, a sensibility about security dilemma or developing a sensibility is, 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 uh, is key to avoiding wars uh, between states. And this has to do with diplomacy and trying to understand how the other side perceives this. Um, there is another expansion of this concept which comes from, uh, I guess, the Global South perspective. And in the recommended readings, I include a bunch of Global South perspectives uh, for you. And here, um, here you see the concept of the so-called insecurity uh, dilemma, which is, uh, which is a perspective that says, well, uh, um, from the third world perspective, uh, threats to the security of individuals and social groups do originate usually from inside uh, the state. So this piece uh, in the recommended readings by the Beirut School of, of Security Studies is excellent on that. If you're interested, read it. Um, essentially, uh, 
citizens may experience insecurities at the hands of their own state uh, far more than than anything that um, uh, security study specialists can imagine, especially if they're sitting in the West and are preoccupied uh, with Western um, ideas. Um, and then you have, uh, yeah, you have essentially uh, the, the the main point here that Kogan is raising in the end is that to if we if we address the Eurocentric limitations of security dilemma theorizing, uh, we we will be able to see how uh, security is utterly political, um, and so politics of security could not be papered over for political purpose here or there or anywhere in, in the world. It is. Uh, uh, it's uh, you know security is constantly existing in a trade-off with other values. So Ken Booth, at the beginning, I mentioned him, was talking about emancipation. Well, there's also an argument uh, by critical security folks, including uh, let's say Claudia Aradau, whose whose work is cited in the in the Belgian piece, is that uh, security is actually whenever you hear security, this is a byword for an attempt by policymakers to render invisible the politics of making decisions that actively adversely impact citizens' lives. So the, the very discourse of security is conservative. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at a world through gendered lens, uh, and we'll have an entire session on this, governments who sell the weaponry abroad to human rights abusing regimes, um, uh, to, you know, whose... Uh, uh, who are who are helping individuals uh, and social groups uh, of certain kinds, but not not all citizens who are, um, yeah, who are essentially insisting on on national security. They're they're generally introducing insecurity in the daily lives of of of, of those who are outside and quote unquote outside the state. Uh, regardless where, whether they're in the first or the third world. Nuclear weapon camps in England uh, were uh, a great source of insecurity to uh, you know, second-generation-led, feminist-led uh, women's protest group, for example. Uh, for them, the cause of insecurity was not the Soviet Union. It was the fact that the UK was responding to that threat by nuclearizing its defense posture. So Green M. Common uh, is the name of this protest in the 1980s that actually rocked UK politics at the time. So you have two uh, sets of discussions. Uh, so the Bilgen piece is kind of more basic, discusses security as a concept and, and how we study it from either uh, Eurocentric slash Orientalist perspective and what that really means specifically for concepts such as security dilemma. Um, and then you have the uh, Williams Krause piece, which is kind of a genealogy of uh, critical uh, security studies uh, in relation to their traditional, other traditional counterpart that covers uh, a whole bunch of themes that we will be addressing in the coming sessions uh, in this class. So uh, the Bilgin piece uh, ends with a few questions that you could discuss. Uh, Krause and Williams' uh, piece does not have uh, a similar ending, uh, but you can certainly, I mean, I invite you uh, to respond to, uh, to it by agreeing or disagreeing with some of their interpretations uh, about what 
uh, what uh, constitutes advance and what does not constitute uh, advance. For example, you can discuss this idea of diversity, inclusiveness, and whether it uh, actually speaks to recent attempts to decolonize uh, security studies at large, not simply uh, security studies uh, that, that call themselves critical. Um, so, uh, lots for you to react to, if you like. I mean, this is just a kind of beginning uh, first, uh, first lecture that lays out uh, what we'll be discussing uh, next. Uh, as always, thank you for uh, listening uh, and uh, wish you a very good day and until the next discussion next week. Thank you.